Good, I'm not usually very good with technology, so that worked out well. One switch helps me a lot. How is everybody today? That's it? Just good? Just barely good? Halfway good? How is everybody today? There. Are you excited? This is the day the Lord's made, isn't it? We should be excited, rejoice, be glad and rejoice in that. Oh, this is pretty cool. I got a big clock up here. <laughs> I'm easily distracted, you'll find out shortly. I was wondering where the one was back there. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I wore my watch today, but you guys are thinking. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I am excited and honored to be here today. Uh, Pastor Sheldon has been a friend of ours for a long time, and with Pastor, and it's just, what a great group of people. You guys are blessed to have such quality leadership here. I truly believe that with all of my heart. I'm not just saying that because they gave me a microphone. I would say that without the microphone. You can pay me later, Chad. That's okay. That's, I got that for you. So, No, they are. Uh, what an honor it is, though, like I said, to be here um, with Sheldon and his crew. And what, a, what an amazing facility you guys have. But how many of you know it's, it's more than just buildings? It's more than just being a member of a church. It's more than just showing up on Sunday morning. How many of you know it's, it's beyond these walls? I, I'm guessing a well, majority of you, your lives were touched beyond these walls first before you came here. You being touched by somebody that loved Jesus out there, this is the result of that today, that you're in here today. Um, that's kind of my story. And I'm not going to bore you with a lot of details because it's not about me, it's about him. Um, originally from Williston, grew up, raised there. That's a long story, we're going to skip it. You guys have been studying in Hebrews and going through the book of Hebrews, which I think is awesome. What a great, encouraging book. It's really, it's a book that should bring us to maturity. That's what it's calling us to. It's like, in a nutshell, saying, look, you've been here, you're going through trials, I realize that, but now you should be mature enough to be able to handle those things, to be able to, to, be able to deal with the things that come up in your life, the situations that you may be faced. I want you, the author is saying, I want you to be mature. I don't want you to continue to be looking back, continuing to harden your heart just because a situation changes in your life. I want you to continue to stay focused on him on Jesus Christ. So I think if, if Pastor Sheldon was right, he told me you guys were in Hebrews 3, verse 12, through chapter 4, verse 6. Is that correct? If not, we'll just blame him later. And if you've heard it before, then we'll just repeat it, right? I'm going to read from the NIV today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, we're going to start in. Are you there? All right. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage, everybody say encourage. One another, how often? Daily. You guys can talk here. This is a great responsive. I don't know the word I was looking for, but read responsive. So uh, what are we going to do? We're going to encourage everyone daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. How many of you know or can remember when you first got saved, when, you, when Jesus first did something different in your life, he became real to you? Now, it wasn't your parents' faith anymore. It wasn't your grandparents' faith anymore. But now it was yours. God did something in your heart, and you were just excited. He's saying, don't lose that excitement. You know, we can come to church, and we can get in a routine, and we can get stale and stagnant. We just, all of a sudden, we just become members of a church. We have no responsibility. We have no nothing. We just show up on Sunday morning. And what does that do to your faith? Nothing. It makes it boring. The God that changed my life is the God that I fell in love with. It's not a God that just does the same thing day in and day out. He's new every day. Verse 15. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who are they who heard and rebelled? 
Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And I'm going to read the whole thing for us now, and then we're going to go back and go through it. But chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, and that's the connection, that's what brings these two sections together. Because of all these things, because of all this rebellion, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was no, of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. I love that part. You can hear something over and over. You can hear it a thousand times. You can tell yourself ten thousand times. But until you combine it with faith, it'll never make a difference. It'll never change anything. Verse 3. Now we have believed. Now we who have believed entered that rest, just as God said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he, he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It, shall, it still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Lord, we thank you for today and for who you are. We thank you for, we're so grateful that your presence is here with us today. That your love surrounds us today. And Lord, I pray that for the couple individuals here right now that are questioning if you truly do love them. If they're worthy of your love, Lord, I pray that your arms would wrap around them during this time that we have together, that you would reveal yourself in such a mighty way, that your love would be revealed in such a powerful way. And Lord, I pray that a rest and a peace will come upon them like the rest is talked about here that we're going to talk about. So Father, we give you this time. I give you my voice, and I pray that you would speak through my word, through, through me, and that you would open the hearts of each individual here to receive from you. And we do it all to glorify you, and we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You might uh, kind of, I don't know how pastor preaches, but I tend to, you might be thinking you're watching a tennis match, because I go back and forth, and your heads will be, but that's okay. You'll get your exercise in for the day. You just wear your Fitbit around your neck, and you can really get your steps in. And Verse 1, in the original language, it's basically saying that... Um, we need to individually search our hearts each and every day. We need to seek out what's going on inside of us. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a, a weekly thing, a monthly thing. It's a daily thing. Sometimes, for like, if you're like me, it's an hourly thing, what's going on. Uh, we get a lot going on. We get a lot going on in this world that's bombarding us, bombarding us with everything. And we need to continually be searching our hearts. So often, unbelief has its deep source in the heart more than in the mind. So often, unbelief has its deep source in the heart rather than the mind. Does that make sense? You know, our unbelief doesn't come just by thinking about it. It becomes in our heart. It becomes a kind of a slow fade. That's why the, the story says, the writer says, look, every day be searching your heart. Don't let it start fading away. Don't let it start slipping towards something else that the world is offering. But stay focused on Him. It's saying, you don't get a day off. It's saying, ah, oh, you know, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. I don't, you know, we were out late last night, and I don't really want to come to church today. It was the 4th of July. We should be out camping. We should be out celebrating. I don't think, we're, you know, we were up late watching the fireworks. How many of y'all watched fireworks last night? I got quite a few. Were they pretty good around here? Yeah? Excellent? Good. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm terrible. We were, we were in bed by, 
the time they were about going off. So I'm getting older. It's terrible. But all of a sudden we say, okay, I can miss a day of reading my Bible here. I can miss a day of a church here. And, you know, the kids, they got so many activities, Pastor. We just, you know, it's so hard for us to make it to church and, and to, to Bible study. That's just out of the question because we're just so busy. We got so many things going on. And all of a sudden you just found out where your heart is, didn't you? It's about every activity outside of church. Every activity that has nothing to do with God. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I, I love sports. I, I love golf. I'm terrible at it, but I love it. You know, I've got some RC. We finally, after three years, we lived in Tioga for three years. And to the day, we pulled up the U-Haul with our stuff. So we haven't had our stuff in three years. So it was, it was exciting for me. But part of the exciting part is I got my RC cars back. And I know I, I look too old to play with cars, but hey, they go 40 miles an hour. They're, they're big kid cars. They're fun. I love activity, so I'm not saying that's wrong, but where are our priorities? Where's our heart in all of this? Is it all about the golf game? Is it all about the swing? Or is it making sure that my heart is pure, that I'm celebrating, that I'm communing with God every day? That I'm not letting that slide, that I'm in my word every day trying to figure out what this is saying to me. And how is this going to lead and guide my life? Am I willing to let my life follow this guidance? Not just the parts I like, which, yeah, I'd love to get rid of some of these parts. You know, love your enemy? Who wants to do that? Am I searching my heart? Do I have a heart that's going after God? Or, or is my heart slowly fading to the things of the world? Is it slowly being drawn away, distracted by the, all the other things going on around me? And I miss the one thing that can bring me peace and rest. How many of you seek rest all the time because you're exhausted? Because you're tired? Because you're working, because you're, you're running, because you're going from here to there, and it seems like you're pulled in a thousand different ways. But we miss the one thing that can give us rest, and we try to find it in everything else. And it'll let us down every time, it'll disappoint us every time. Keep your heart seeking Him. What's His heart saying? Or often we get in this mindset that says, Oh, you know, I think I'm going to just skip this one time, and God will overlook it. Then we do it the next time. Well, God, he overlooked it last time. He'll overlook it this time, and then again, and then again. And pretty soon, we start start out sitting in the front row, and then, you know, as preachers, we always get to watch this. So we'll see people, and they come out, they start sitting in the front row. And all of a sudden, a month later, they're, they're back in the middle section. And two months later, all of a sudden, they're in the back, and then... All of a sudden, it's every other Sunday and every few Sundays. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe that's been you. It's happened to me. You know, I wasn't always, you know, I wasn't always a preacher. I was an alcoholic for 17 years on drugs. Did everything else under the sun. Church was not a priority in my life. God was not a priority in my life. But praise God, I had praying grandparents. So if you have kids, grandkids, continue to pray. Don't give up. You never know what's going to happen. They could end up here on a platform one day. You know, they could slip and fall one day and just fall in love with Jesus. That's what happened to me. And there's no turning back. There's no looking back. But I so often think the problem is God doesn't have all of our heart. He has a piece of it. We'll share it with him a couple hours a week on a Sunday, but we're going to give Babylon the other 60 hours a week. We're going to give the world the rest of the week. But God, you can have these couple hours on Sunday. You should be good with that, right? But where's our heart the rest of the week? You know, we're so divided in our affections today. But I don't want that to be the case. Because divided affections will never bring you the rest and the peace that you desire. It'll never bring the hope for in the end. He wants all of your affection. He wants all of you.
you know, we're not going to, this is a whole other sermon, so if you guys have me back, I got a couple of them, but, and we're not going to turn there because I didn't even give them the, the passage, but 1 Samuel 5, 2, it talks about Dagon, and it was the Philistines' God that they worshiped, and all of a sudden, you know, they, the Philistines had stolen the ark, and, and they brought it in, they set it next to their God that they served, and Maybe some of you know the story. And the God, he, he, they wake up the next morning, they go check it out. The God fall, their God has fallen over. So they set him back up and they go back the next morning and the, now their God's fallen over. And the arms are broken off and, and he's broken half at the torso. But let me ask this. Does anybody know what Dagon looked like? Then you, it's a great story. You should you go 1 Samuel chapter 5. What he was is half fish. From the waist down, it was a fish. And from the torso up, it was human. It was a merman, I guess you could call it. I was waiting for just a picture to flash up magically, but it didn't happen. So not that I wanted you to. I was just saying. Um, It was a merman. Here's the thing. They wanted a part of God, but they also wanted what they wanted. Does that happen to us today? We want just enough of God to get by. We want just enough of the good parts of God to help us out. We're in a sticky situation. But we still want to be in control. Let me tell you the moral of that story. Don't ever serve a God that you got to pick up. Because they went in and picked him up. You can use that one sometime. So often, we want just enough of God to get by. So often we're just satisfied as, at least it's not as bad as it used to be. At least I'm going to go to heaven. And we just leave it short right there. And we never go all out. We never fall in love. And to see what God can do in our lives. That's why scripture, it stresses how important it is to encourage one another daily. Without that encouragement, it's so easy to start slipping away. It's so easy to all of a sudden move back a seat, move back a few more rows, and pretty soon you're attending every other week and once a month. But if we were serious, and I'm not just talking about, hey, glad to see you, have a great day, and never care about the person actually. I'm talking about, I love it, find faith and find family. What was the other one? Friends. How do you do that? How are you going to do that if you never care about someone? How are you going to do that if all you do is slap them on the back and say, hey, I hope you have a great day, and you never are concerned about their needs? See, that's what this is about. It's about finding faith, family, and friends. It's about getting intertwined. You know what intercourse is? (laughs) I got your attention on that one, didn't I? (laughs) It's crossing paths with one another. It's interchanging with one another. That's what it is. It's doing life together. Inviting people over. Being more involved in their life than just a casual hello. You know, I, I, love, I love the oil field because I love new people. I, um, I don't want my town to be the same as it's always been. It didn't help anybody then. I want it to be different. And yeah, we got a parade going by. How many of you know it changes every week, the people? It was great when we were pastoring the church. You had about 20 of the same people, but you didn't know who the next 50 were going to be because it was different every time. And I loved it because you never know. You have one moment to impact somebody's life. And you never know what's going to go on back home when they leave. What's going to happen in their family? What's going to happen in their community? And how it could be changed because you took the time for them. Because you encouraged them daily. Because you were the person that reached out with their hand. You were Jesus with skin on. It's as simple as that. Instead of just watching the parade go by, why don't we get in the parade? Now, I'm not telling you to move. Please don't move. But let's get in the parade. Let's get involved with people's lives. Stop watching them just pass by and leave with never saying anything to anyone.
encouraging people with God's word instead of judging them. You know, how many, how many, you know, the gay marriage things going on right now? Most of you look at me with a blank stare when we mention that from the pulpit. But you know what? It's still loving people. It's still about people. We cannot miss people in this whole thing. How many of you go through daily battles in your life? How many of you would love it if somebody just happened to, if God prompted somebody and said, hey, call that person. And they called you up and said, hey, I just want to see how you're doing. I truly want to see how you're doing, what's going on in your life. Would that be encouraging to someone? The only way you're going to get that discerning word is if you're in the word and if you're praying. Instead of rebelling, instead of being distracted by the world, God promises victory. He promises victory. He promises us a rest and a peace that surpasses all understanding. But what happens in the section that we read? Israel rebels. Their hearts are hardened. They're always looking back. And let me tell you, the back wasn't that great. Because remember where they just came out of? Slavery? Being punished? Forced to work? with less materials. But if we're not careful, it'll tell us of our rebellion also. If we're not guarded, if we don't guard ourselves, our hearts, the affections of this world will pull our attention from the one who can give us rest. If not guarded, the affections of this world will pull our attention from the one who can give us rest. It's imperative that we guard our hearts every day against this slow fade that can happen so easily. And we find our hearts over here interested in on everything else instead of interested in the one who can change everything, who created everything else. You know, Jeremiah 17, 9, it even says, the heart is deceitful above all things. So if we're not purposeful with it, we're going to be drawn away from it. Just because you say you love God one day doesn't mean it's always going to be there. It doesn't mean you're going to wake up the next morning and you're going to have that great same fuzzy feeling. It's work. It's a battle. It's a fight. The Israelites, they came out of Egypt seeing the miracles of God, yet they were complaining and wanting to go back to what they had. You know, so often we can find that in our lives, can't we? It doesn't seem possible because you think, oh, I'll, I'll always love Jesus. I'll always love him. And all of a sudden things happen. Things come in the way. You see, they were led by a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God provided manna for them every day. When that wasn't good enough, he gave them quail and meat to eat. He gave them water when they wanted it. They, didn't, they weren't slaves anymore. They weren't making bricks. But yet their heart was never satisfied. Is your heart satisfied today? Is your heart satisfied with where you're at in your relationship today? Or is there something in you, and maybe you've pressed it down, but is there something in you that says, there's got to be more to this than this. There's got to be more to life than just this. There's got to be more to to serving Jesus than just coming to church on Sunday saying a few hallelujahs, throwing a few bucks in the plate that's garbage. There's more to life. There's more in a relationship than just that. It's more than beautiful buildings. It's more than planting more churches. It's about a furious love affair with the God who saves. It's about a furious love affair with the one who holds everything in his hands, the one who holds the peace and the rest that you're so desperately seeking and you're trying to find it from the world, but he's holding it in his hands and he's saying, here, it's right here, but you've got to stop looking back over there. You've got to look to me for it because I hold it. I hate religion. You want a definition of religion, I suppose, before I, I should probably qualify that a little bit, huh? I hate religion, and, you know, we know sin is just doing the wrong thing, right? Religion's doing the right thing for too long. Religion's doing the right thing for too long. You see, 
the problem was, what, what happens when I say Egypt? What do you guys think of when I say the word Egypt? Go ahead, and you, this is slavery, right? Hardships. The exodus, they were brought out. But do you ever realize and think back just a little further that Egypt was salvation for Israel? You see, we forget about that because that's what religion will do. It'll change our thinking about things because what happens is we stay too long. What was once their salvation now had become their slavery. I think it's a problem with American church today. Well, pastor, that's the way we've always done it. Well, that's great, and it might have worked great for a while. But how many of you know God is a new God each and every day? Well, he's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. But he wants to do something new in our lives each and every day. He doesn't want us to continue to go down the same road day after day after day, doing the same thing day after day. Why do you think it says his mercies are new every day? It says that we're going to do even greater things than he. As he doesn't say those things, so we would just get in a repetition of doing the same thing. The same old thing, the same old thing, the same old way, the same old way. He wants to do something new. That's why, that's why a lot of times churches have a hard time with revival. Because it wasn't the way we did it 30 years ago. And oh, sister so-and-so didn't say this right, or brother so-and-so didn't say this right, or they didn't have the right worship, because you know that's always an issue, right? Oh, we're not singing the right songs. The fast songs got to come before the slow songs. And, well, you know, the sermon, it's got to come before the, or the worship's got to come before the sermon. And we got to take the tithe right in the middle. You know, I think we should preach the Word of God and then celebrate and worship. But that's just me. It seems like a more natural fit to me. I don't know. But this is what happens when we stay too long in a place where God never told us to stay. He wants to do something new. He's, he's predictably unpredictable. He wants, us, he wants change in our lives because he wants to continue to grow us, to mold us and shape us into his image. Blaise Pascal said, God created us in his image and we return the favor. It's, so, it's true, isn't it? That's, that's why you get a merman. I can't even hardly say that word. You see, before Israel, Israel was a nation, Israel was a family. And before Israel was a family, Israel was a man. Before, and before Israel was a man named Israel, he was a man named Jacob. You see, before, before Egypt and before Pharaoh were a type and shadow of, of hell and the devil, it was salvation for the Israelites. It was freedom for the Israelites. But they stayed too long. You never stay in the same thing too long. If God's telling you to move, we've got to move. Don't hold on to it because the problem is we get fearful. We get afraid. We begin to question. Is that the right thing, Lord? Are you sure? Because you're, you're doing it a little different than I remember. And I, I think you need to do it this way. How many of you like to tell God how to do things? And I'm alone in this one. I'm the only, sorry, honey. I'm the only one that thinks that. Unless you guys are just too afraid to admit it. But I like to tell God how I like things done. And... Sometimes he doesn't always do it that way. Don't ever become a slave to something that brought you freedom one time. What will happen is let me find my spot here. My thing just jumped all over and now Anyways, this is what happens when we stay doing the same thing too long and when God never told us to say, we start seeing God as predictable. We miss what he's doing in our hearts. They start to, they start to get hard because he's not doing it the way we think he should do it. 
And now once was, once, what was once our freedom has become our captivity. But let's think about it for a moment. Let's think about the Israelites. Yeah, they stayed too long in the religion. But maybe the problem was they were there so long that they were beat up. They were hurt. They were bruised. They were wore out. They were tired. They were given up the fight. How many of you know it's a fight to stay faithful to Christ? It's an everyday battle. But maybe they'd been abused so much that they began to give up. They began to believe that, God, where are you? You're not doing this the way I planned. I don't see you anymore in this. Where did you go? And they're so hurt. They're disappointed. You know, there was a great man of God one time, and he was questioning the he was he was talking to God, questioning the failure of another leader. And he said, "God, just how could this leader do that? How could he fail like that?" And God spoke and said, "You would not have done as well if you were in his shoes." You know, sometimes we've got to put ourselves in the Israelite story. Where were, why were their hearts hardened? Why were they rebelling? What was going on? You know, they saw all these miracles happen. They saw the Red Sea's part. I'm thinking, uh, of course, we're all saying, hey, if I saw that, there, I, I would never doubt God, right? If he parted the sea and I walked across on dry ground, I would never doubt him. If I had this big cloud by day and a big pillar of fire by night leading me, Man, that's, that'd be gravy. I would always trust in God, right? But so quickly we fade away. So quickly we see those things, but yet we continue to kind of glance back. Because it gets hard sometimes. It gets to be, you know, an 11-day journey can turn into 40 years. How many of you felt like that? Maybe it's your traffic outside. You think, oh, what used to take me two seconds to zip out of the church, now it takes me 40 minutes to get out because of the traffic. But praise God for bypasses, huh? Yeah, we're liking that. Okay, where does it come out at over here? Just over here? Okay. I've never been on it, so I don't know. And sometimes a journey that we're taking all of a sudden doesn't turn out the way we want. Things don't go as according to our plan. Maybe we've been thinking we're doing the right thing and we've been doing it for so long. God, where are you? Was that a real question for anybody? God, where are you? Why did you leave me? I was hurting and I needed you the most and you weren't there. God, where were you? Is God, where are you a real question for anybody today? In the midst of everything going on, God, where are you? You know, I love the story in John about, about um, Thomas. What do we historically call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. I'm going to rip that label from him. I preached last week on, on why that is such a mistake to call him Doubting Thomas. But what does Jesus do when he finds out Lazarus is sick? He waits two more days. You didn't know you were going to get Bible trivia today, did you? I should have brought some snacks with. I could have threw them out. He waits two more days because that's what love looks like. It doesn't just run to your every whim and need. It creates a dependence upon him. It creates in you a hunger for him. How many of you know the longer you have to wait for something, the more you appreciate it when you get it? Nothing. Nobody because we're in the oil field and we just buy it because we got the... You should have this 100000 paid off by the end of this offering. We'll take another one just to make sure. But then we'll, get, we'll raise enough money to pave the whole front, huh? How many want to see the front paved? Huh? That'd be nice today, wouldn't it? Planting seeds. Planting seeds. It's a whole other... We won't go there. But maybe you've come here today beaten up. Maybe you came here today asking, God, where are you? Where were you when I was being abused? 
where were you when the hurt was coming? God, where are you in this sickness? And maybe your faith isn't there today. Maybe your heart's been hardened some. Maybe you're continuing or starting to look back a little more. And what was back there is becoming more appealing than what's right in front of you. Because maybe even through the fog and the haze and the question, you just can't see him. Can I tell you he's there? Maybe you're sick of doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results. Maybe you're thinking, you know, maybe if I become a member of the church, everything will change. The reason why you're not getting satisfied is you're, when you're coming to church, when you're reading your Bible, and those are good things, please continue to do those. But the reason, maybe, could it just be the reason because it's not doing the same thing anymore is because you lost your love affair with him, the one who can give you that satisfaction, the one who can give you that rest and that peace. I want to challenge you today to begin to create a furious love affair with him again because that's what's going to lead you. That's going to be your pillar of fire by night and your cloud by day is a furious love affair. I want you so in love with Jesus that you have an appetite for nothing in this world and absolutely nothing that can offer it. I want you to be so madly in love. How many of you are married? How many enjoy being married? (laughs) Everybody's looking at their spouse to you better. Why? Why do you enjoy it? Because you're working at it every day. How many of you... How? How many have been married for 50 years? Anyone? We got a couple back there. Yeah. Huh? Is there anybody longer than 50 years? I should ask that too. So when you go up and ask them later and congratulate them and ask them, how did you guys do it? They're going to say, it's easy. We just don't even work at it. We don't have to do anything. We just wake up in the morning and we're so in love. (laughs) They laugh. Because it's work. It's an everyday thing. I love my wife to death. There's nothing more precious than her. And this isn't derogatory, but it's work. Now, I'm easy. I, you know, I just, she just loves me, and it's easy to do. But <laughs> Notice I walked this way so she could make her gestures. and <laughs> Then there's no harboring bad feelings or anything. No. But it's a continual work every day, isn't it? We've got to put the effort in. The Israelites, they could never enter that rest because they kept falling in and out of love. It was a crisis of faith this week, and we love Jesus now, but, oh, I don't know, I want to go this way, but I... uh, God is not a God of confusion, is he? But many of you continue to wander around in the wilderness. And as soon as something comes up in your life, or as soon as a, a trial comes, and all of a sudden you begin to look at your pain. And you begin to look at your scars. And then all of a sudden you begin to play the movie of where you got them, and how it happened. And you begin to relive the pain, and the hurt, and the suffering. And what happens? All that produces is questioning, fear, doubt, pain. It reminds you of the stains. Can I tell you, God came to wash you as white as wool. What are stains? It's the evidence of that was something that was there. But God came to erase the stains. He came so there would be no evidence that that even was a part of your life anymore. I mentioned earlier, I was an alcoholic on drugs. You never know that unless I told you, because the stain of that is no longer in my life. Because God washed it as white as snow. And I'm free of that label. I'm so tired of labeling. It's the Bible. A religion again. Let's get on that. Because I only got a few minutes and I got to wrap up. But religion will leave you as the man with a withered hand. He's the man without a withered hand. He was healed. The woman with the issue of blood. You know what? She put on a clinic one time saying, if you press in hard enough that you can receive power and God will release power that he doesn't even know he's releasing. 
if you're willing to press in hard enough. Blind Bartimaeus. Like his first name is blind and last name Bartimaeus. He's the healed of the Lord, isn't he? Bartimaeus. Bar is the son of. Timaeus is a highly prized nobleman. But yet we want to continue to label him as blind Bartimaeus. He's healed. If you were blind at one point and now you can see today, you're just as much, you can see today as just as much as you are blind today. Don't live in who you were. Live in who you are today. We could, oh, we could preach on that. You've been redeemed by the blood of Christ and set free from the world. You've been set free from the labels that people have put on you because you are a child of the Most High. You are adopted into a whole new family. And you've been given a whole new victory and freedom in life. And you don't have to suffer under any label that somebody would put under you. But we want to play the movie where we got our scars. We want to look back and look at the pain and the hurt. You know why we do that? Because it's way easier to look at ours than it is to turn around and look at where he got his. Because all of a sudden we feel guilty where he got his. Because his scars weren't merited, ours were. He didn't deserve his, but there was probably something that we did that deserved ours. And I'm not excusing the fact of the hurt of little children and those things. Don't get me wrong. But his scars were not merited. Why aren't we looking at him? Because if we look, continue to look back at our scars, we're going to miss the very thing we need to enter into a life of fullness, a life of blessing, and a life of rest that God has promised us. Let's begin to look to his scars. Stop looking at where we got ours and start looking to where he got his. Like I said, all ours are going to do is bring doubt, pain, stains, questioning, and fear. But his will bring freedom and victory. His will bring life. It'll bring a rest. The rest that we're talking about here in the scripture. And, but if we don't place these things at a place called Calvary, it can lead us to a heart of rebellion. And it can lead us to a hardened heart. See, part of the problem is we go into Christ, we bring them, we bring them these hurts, these pains. God, we don't want a hardened heart. We want to serve you. We want to, we want to honor you. We want to worship you. But these things, they hurt so bad. But, so here they are, but I better take them back with me. And we never leave them at his feet for him to deal with. But God, you don't know. The one I loved, he sold me out. 30 shekels. He says, I know that pain. But God, I gave up everything to follow you, and now I've been rejected. He says, I know that one too. I've been there. And then we start to feel squeezed a little bit, and maybe there's something going on at work, and maybe there's a financial issue coming up, or maybe your marriage today is on the brink of divorce. And you came here. You don't know why you came here. Can I tell you, God's got you in his crosshairs. He wants to do something amazing in your life if you're willing to let him. But you've got to get to this point. I've worked hard to get here. And if you, if you have a speaker that doesn't have at least three closes, don't. If you, if you take notes, write this down. You have, we have to get, you and I have to get to a point in our life where, where we say, I would rather die fighting for the promised land than continue to look back and never find hope or rest. I would rather die fighting for the promised land than continuing to look back and never be satisfied. To look back and never have life. It's time we stop murmuring and it's time to start making war. All we hear is murmur, murmur, murmur. God, why did you make me this way? God, why do I have to go through this? Let's make war. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to read our Bibles. Do you guys have a prayer morning time? Okay. How many of you have altars at home? 
that you're there daily just praying and interceding. I love Sunday school. You know, it was awesome. God, he said, there's time for discipline now. We're going to kill them all. And Moses interceded for them. And it changed everything. Imagine if you're at your altar praying on what could happen in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your faith. Imagine what can happen to the pain and the hurt as you find rest in him. So this is my closing number two. Chapter four, verses one through six. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, the promise still stands today. There's hope today. There's hope today. Maybe you're out of hope today, but I'm here to tell you the promise still stands. It's for you to just reach out and grab. It's right here today. It's for you today. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. See, he doesn't want to lose any of you. He doesn't want you to fall short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. See, you can come here every Sunday, and I know you're getting a great biblical word because I know the pastor's here. And they're teaching straight from the Bible. But if you're never going to combine that word with faith, you're going to miss the whole thing. You're going to miss what you were truly created for. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. Verse 4. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. Is that you today? Will that be you today that will enter that rest? And I'm not talking about going home to be with Jesus. I'm talking about a rest that you can have right here on earth. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. See, you have a choice today. Obedience or disobedience? Rest or an unrest? It's up to you. But this passage, it has to be more than a theological metaphor. It represents an end to the wandering that characterized their life after the exodus. Maybe you've been wandering today, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what's going on, doing the circles around the same mountain. This has got to be real to you today. Today is your day to stop wandering. Today is your day to receive that rest, that peace. Some of you, you maybe accepted Christ and you're thinking, well, at least it's better than it used to be. At least I'm gonna, when I die, I'll go to heaven. And you've stopped there. And you miss the very thing you're created for, a furious love affair. You were created for nearness. You were never created for success. You were created for nearness. Success is a secondary consequence to nearness, but you can never reverse the order. You can never, success can never be first. Nearness is first. Nearness, nearness. It's all about proximity. That's what's been going on in my life through this transition out of the church back into the oil field. It's a, it's a, the word proximity. Jesus, where are you going and how close to you can I be there when you get there? A furious love affair. He's here to give you rest today that's going to end your wandering. He's here to bring you into that promised rest today. It's a rest of salvation. Knowing that, hey, I have a heavenly Father. It's a rest of victory in the midst of the trials that you're going through today. 
and the future eternal rest, that heavenly rest. Look, Canaan is not a picture of heaven. It's a symbol of the life of blessing and battles, progress and victory that we have in Christ as we yield to him and we trust him. It's not a, Canaan's not a picture of heaven here. It's a symbol of life, of blessings during the battles, progress and victory that we have in him as we yield our lives and our wills to him. But without that furious love affair, none of it's going to be possible. How do I do that? How do I fall in love with Jesus? You begin to read. How did you fall in love with your spouse? You begin to court them. You begin to get to know them. How do you get to know Jesus? Right here in his word. He tells you all about him. You begin to go on dates with him. I know it sounds crazy. But you begin to fall in love. Because without being here, all that's going to happen is Pastor Sheldon will meet you with you seven times in the next 30 days on whether you're going to have a crisis of faith or you're going to fall in love with Jesus. Look, I understand. It's a process. Trust me, my life has been a process. And it still is a process. But God has come to set us free. We shouldn't be wavering and begin to walk this way and say, ah, the back looks pretty good though too. I'm going to go back this way. Well, no, maybe I'll go this way. That's not falling in love. That's not falling in love. When you fall in love with something, you're willing to risk everything. Even the willingness, the vulnerability of being hurt again. And you lay it all in. You push all your chips to the center of the table. Maybe that's a moment for you today. You've been holding chips back. You've been holding back a little bit of your life. And it's a reason you continue to look back in life. But today, maybe it's your day that you're going to push it all in. And say, God, I'm just going to fall in love with you. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like. But I'm going to fall in love with you. It's my job not to get you to come back to church on Sunday. It's my job to introduce you into a presence that you fall in love with him that you fall in love with the most beautiful pair of eyes in this universe. The one who can change everything. It's one thing to trust God for salvation, quite another to surrender your will and your life to him for his daily guidance and service. Many Christians are still wandering in the wilderness, the wilderness of defeat and unbelief. They've been delivered from Egypt, yeah. Yeah. But they've never crossed into Canaan. They've never crossed into that place where there's victory, where there's blessings. Yeah, there's trials, there's battles, but there's a promised victory and a hope. Maybe you're going to cross today. God has promised to rest for his own today. Peace in the midst of trials. Victory in spite of seeming impossible problems. One more story and I'm going I'm to end. Jamie, we're heading out from here. We're going to a funeral. Jamie's grandma passed away on uh, Friday, right? Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> That's terrible. We don't even know. Um, we were moving our stuff. We were loading it up, and, and she got the phone call that she had passed away. And you'd think we'd be, I mean, it always hurts to lose someone. You know that because love hurts when you lose it. But there's such a peace Because we know she loved Jesus with all her heart. She loved God with everything. Jamie got to FaceTime her because we couldn't be there. And she was crying, but yet she was telling her grandma, I'm so excited for you. And now you're like, that's kind of morbid, but no, grandma, I can't. It's going to be amazing. You get to be with Jesus soon. And she's like, I know, I know. And her cousin, he wrote, he was with her. And she said, these were her final words, I'm ready to go home. And with joy on her face and in her heart, she closed her eyes and took her last breath. How many of you would love that rest and that joy? Knowing the satisfaction of I'm going home. 
I'm going to go with be with Jesus. And I'm not hoping any of you die today. Trust me on that one. But that is such a peace and a rest that we strive for. What gave her that? It was a love affair that she had with Jesus Christ. It was a love affair. God has promised a rest for his own today. Do we have somebody that would come up and just play the keyboard? That's you. Thank you. What's going on in your life today? Is it financial? Is it relational? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's hurt from the past that you just can't seem to get over. Maybe it's the abuse or the rejection that that has plagued you for so long, but yet you keep running back to it because you don't know any other way. Can I tell you, he's promised you a rest today. His promise still stands today. And I'm asking, are you willing to try? Are you willing to fall in love today? Let me ask this question too, because it says that they heard the word, but they never mixed it with their faith. What word has God given you? Maybe it was years ago. Maybe it was when you were a child. I bet there's someone in here that was called to be a pastor. And you've put it away for a long time. Because you didn't believe, oh, he could never use me. I was too far gone. I could be a good lay person. I I could come every Sunday. I could be a good attendee. I could be a good helper. But his word has called you to be something even more. Maybe today you're going to mix that with faith. And God's going to release amazing grace over you. And an amazing rest by you saying yes. I'll follow you. I'm willing to risk everything for you, Jesus. God has a promise of rest for you today. But are you willing to come and get it? Are you willing to make war for it? It mentioned in here, God rested from all his work. You see, it's not, he didn't rest because he was exhausted. He rested because he was satisfied. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And I don't know how we usually end here, but maybe there's some of you in the room tonight. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you just showed up on a whim. Maybe you're new in town and you thought, hey, I I better go meet some people somewhere. And maybe you're saying, I'm curious about this Jesus. I've never I've never really heard this. But I'd like to get to know him. I'd like to I'd like to fall in love with him. I don't know if I can. I've been hurt so many times. And I don't know if I can love anymore but I'm willing to try. Maybe you come here just wore out. And you've been searching for a rest that's never satisfied. And you continue to wander and wander, going around and around. Maybe that's you today. Maybe there's not rest and peace in the home today. But it all begins with a love affair. It all begins with proximity to him. So if that's you today, if that's, maybe you haven't heard of Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him, but you've never committed to him. I'm just going to ask you to just quickly and quietly lift up your hand. Thank you. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Yep, I see you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Is there anybody else? Because there's someone else that, that you're battling right now. I don't want to put up my hand. I don't want to make this commitment. I know what's going to happen. They're going to make me do something. I just want you to fall in love. I want you to love him more than anything because it changed my life. I want from death to life. And I want him to do that for you too. 
Maybe you're the one that's coming in here and saying, I've been beat up. I'm wore out. I'm tired. You preach too long. I wish you would leave, so we'll just raise our hand. But maybe that's you today. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Just quickly and quietly lift up your hand. If you're wore out, you've been seeking rest from everything else, but you want to be satisfied today. Thank you. I saw you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. He's going to give you a rest that will satisfy you today. Maybe the home, maybe the finances, maybe everything, the chaos. Maybe you've been playing a facade. (laughs) Lord just gave me that one. Maybe you've been acting it out, but today your faith is going to be real. No more playing games. No more looking back at your scars. No more looking back at your hurt and your pain. But today is the day you're going to commit to look to his scars. Because when he shows you his, it's a promise that it's all going to be okay. It's a promise that this is going to end well. Maybe that's you today. Same thing, just quickly and quietly. Just lift up your hand if that's you. Thank you. Yeah, I see you. Yeah. Hands up all over. Thank you. Yep, I see you over here. Thank you. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, for who you are, for the rest and the peace that you give us in this moment. Your presence is so strong here. And I don't want to miss a moment just because of time that you want to do something in someone's life, that you want to set someone free and set them on a path of a furious love affair. It's a place where every question is answered, every doubt is relieved, and you find satisfaction in rest. So Lord, as the hands went up all over the building, I pray that you would continue to work in their lives, continue to move mightily in their hearts. Now, I'm going to ask you, for those of you who raise your hands, we talked about putting, putting that faith, that word, and combining them. You raised your hand because of a word. Now I'm asking you to walk in your faith. And I'm going to ask Pastor Chad to come forward and a few others of his prayer team. And I'm going to ask you to come forward because I want somebody to pray for you before you leave this place. If you raised your hand, I want you to just make your way forward. We want to pray with you. Don't let fear and doubt, because right now the enemy is going wild. He's saying, no, don't walk forward. That'll be embarrassing. Don't come up here. But I challenge you to activate that faith right now. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Come. Come. If you want the freedom, if you want the satisfaction of that rest, come. Just come. And we're going to pray with you. Yeah, just come. Just come. If you guys will gather around a couple of these fellows and pray with them. Just come. If this message has touched you, there, there's no sense sitting in your seat continuing to look back at the scars. It's time to come forward and let God make a difference in your hearts and in your lives. Don't rush out of here missing a moment. Use this moment and turn it into a movement in your life. Jamie, would you come up here and just pray with some of the gals?
as those are still up front praying, we're going to dismiss in prayer in just a moment. And if you feel that God has released you this morning, we just simply ask if you would keep this place as a holy place and any conversation, if you could take that out into the foyer, that would be great. But if you'd like to spend some more time in prayer, even at your seat, we invite you to do so. But we want to just close our time together in prayer. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, God, your care, your compassion, your, your desire to see us be who you've designed us to be in a relationship with you. God, I ask that you help us to go, um, help us to leave this place, not leaving your presence, but walking with you. God, I ask for your strength. I ask for your help. I ask for your, um, uh, your direction, Lord. And over the course of this week, remind us, God, of your great love for us so that we can love you back. We can grow in our love for you. God, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you all honor. In your name we pray, amen. We love you. If you again, if you would just take your conversation out to the foyer, we'd appreciate that. We encourage you, if you'd like to stay and pray, the altars will remain open.